they know where we are. You know, it's you understand that you're facing two really good pitchers in the last two nights, as good as you're going to see. And, um, you know, you have Chris Bassett on the mound tomorrow and you go try to win. That's it. You're taking it one day at a time, really. They know that. I don't think that there's a reason to, um, you know, reiterate that to them. 701 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Adnan Verk is going to join us from MLB Network in just a minute here. We can talk about that John Schneider clip. That was Blue Jays manager John Schneider uh, coming back from break. And we're talking about uh, how to hit elite pitching. Mm. And it was hilarious. Well, it's hard because it's elite. Right. And the, the clip is hilarious if you play it in full because a, a very, very earnest reporter was like, what about uh, stringing hits together throughout the lineup? And John Schneider was like, that would be awesome. And then he's like, what about hitting for power? Schneider was like, we'd also like to do that. He's like, because we're not, we're not doing either right now. Well, the walks. Yeah, walks. So good. How about not striking out and grounding out and flying out? That's right, Strawberry. It was amazing to watch it. He's like, those are all good ideas that you've got there, reporter. Come manage the team. Anyway, uh, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Final week of the MLB regular season. Adnan Verk, MLB Network, joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Adnan? How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Jason, how are you guys doing? We're all right. The the Jays are maybe the most befuddling team in all of sports. I'm sure there's others. I'd have to go back through the history books to find more. But uh, after getting swept by the Rangers, we're like, ah, there goes that season. Then they come back with a bunch of wins against the AL East, no less, which they hadn't done all year. And then just when everything's looking all right, now it's, oh, yeah, they can't hit anymore. It's such an odd team. Uh, you know, John Schneider, we played the clip going to break, and, he was asked about his philosophy for trying to hit elite pitching. And, and the background of it was, well, John, you know, if you go into the playoffs, which you're more than likely to do now, you're going to be facing elite pitching almost every night. Is that going to be the story around these Blue Jays moving forward now? Is How are they going to be able to manufacture runs against really good pitchers? Because that's all they're going to see pretty much from here on in. Yeah, first off, my excellent use of befuddling, because you're right, that's a perfect adjective to describe this Blue Jays team, because just when you think they turn a corner, they go back the other way, right? You get swept against the Rangers, four-game sweep, outscored 35-9, to skies falling, no problem. We'll just rip off a bunch of wins. We're looking pretty good now, 7-2, and two, and all of a sudden they've lost four of their last six games. They should be beating the New York Yankees, especially at home, and it's their offense that goes in the funk. And I think that's, that's honestly the most shocking thing about this entire year. When we look back at the 2023 Blue Jays, and whether they end up being World Series champions or bouncing the wild card around again, and I think we're all confident they're going to make the playoffs, helped by virtue of the fact of the schedule, because of the fact that the AL West teams are facing each other. Basically, Toronto not even has to go 5-5. Five and five, You know what I mean? At this point, if you're not even 500, you should be able to get in. Should be. Operative word right now. Half game up on Houston, game and a half up on Seattle, as far as the wild card's concerned. But when we end up writing the story of this team, we're going to say it's so bizarre that a team with this kind of talent couldn't score runs on a more consistent basis. And it, what's, what's befuddling about it, to use your word, is nobody, and I mean nobody, would have thought that was an issue with this team at the start of the year. And when you looked at their lineup, you go, the first thing you said, what do you think this Blue Jays team? You go, man, that's a great lineup. That's the first, no one says, 
I think their starting rotation is going to lead the league in ERA. There's not one person that says that. Everyone goes, man, that's a good lineup. Oof, man, you got Vlad, you got Boba Shed, you got Matt Chapman, you got George Springer. Like, man, Barsha's coming over from the D-backs. Kirk can really hit. Like, that's always the headline for the Blue Jays. So how on earth could this be an issue? How could this be their hindrance? How could this be the reason that they may not be a team that has great success? And, you know, ultimately, someone's going to have to pay the piper if they don't have demonstrable success. I would call that winning at least a wild card series. If you lose in the division series, okay. I mean, at least it's progress from a year ago, but you know, John Schneider, I think he knows he's on the hot seat. Don Manley could be taken over as the manager. Maybe there's other changes beyond that, but yeah, ultimately that's, that's what's, what's crazy to me is the offense that you say, just when you start to turn things around, literally a few days ago, because it's okay. Five juniors figure this out. George Springer has really stepped it up recently. Once Bobachek gets healthy, watch out this offense one through nine can click. And then it doesn't. Like, I, I could have told you that Garrett Cole is going to dominate them. That's exactly what happened. The numbers going in, Garrett Cole giving up one run in 19 innings against the Blue Jays this season. And there's always this thought, well, the Jays are due. No, they're not. Garrett Cole's dominated them. He dominated them again. Michael King should not be dominating the Toronto Blue Jays in any sense or fashion in a game in Toronto. And it happened again. And now the work's cut out for them. they got to face the Rays, and they might have to face the Rays from playoff time. You start looking at the schedule, fellas, and go, well, maybe we'll get lucky and get the third wild card and face the Twins. You shouldn't be thinking that way. You should be thinking like, hey, we're a great team. It doesn't matter who we face. We're going to win. And yet they're not going to be favored if they face Tampa. They have to hope they face Minnesota and perhaps lose more games right now and back at their way to the playoffs. It's crazy. And despite all this, they're probably going to the postseason, which is more than I can say for the Seattle Mariners right now. Things got spicy between the Mariners and the Astros last night. Mariners lose 8-3. How close are they to being done right now? It's tough. I mean, Harold Reynolds said to me the day before, he goes, if they lose the second game in the series, they're done. At that point, they'd be two and a half games back. Now, they did win that game. George Kirby was very good. But then you lose last night's game, and if you're not done, I mean, you're pretty much on life support now because you're running out of time, quite frankly. You've got this series now against the Rangers, and then that's it. And, by the way, the Rangers are an incredible story. Kind of like the Jays, incredibly streaky. You know, for much of the year in first place, they fall apart. Sky's falling. Seattle was sizzling in August. And then Texas able to rectify the ship. And they're going to go back to where they were much of the year, which is win the AL West, which is, again, a credit to them and their resilience and their resolve. And obviously, Corey Seager doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt matters either. But for Seattle, I just when you start to look at the math of it, and, and trust me, I was kind of rooting for the Mariners. I think they're a good story. I love Julio Rodriguez. Kind of tired of the Astros. But, but Houston pushed them around, man. Like, quite frankly, when you can put up that kind of run last night, nine runs, mm-hmm. especially late in the game, they wore down Seattle's bullpen. I would have thought that was the strength Seattle had, was their pitching was better than Houston. But ultimately, it was Houston's bats against the Mariners' pitching, and Houston's bats were better. So I, I think it's going to end up being Seattle, the outside looking in. Again, if you do the math, they're one and a half games back, they're facing Texas. Houston, by the way, on the road. What's perplexing about Houston is they have a sub-500 record at Minute Maid Park. Like they're, they're a below-500 team. That's crazy. as a playoff team about to happen. But they're much better on the road. So I, up, I think benefiting them that they, their final six games of the year on the road, they just took two or three against Seattle, one more three-game series on the road, and in all likelihood, Houston will be back in the playoffs. I know this is a very difficult question uh, to answer, uh, getting back to the Blue Jays, but how did the Jays get, get Vladdy back to 2021 Vladdy? Because, well, you know, what he's doing right now, I mean, this is not, this is not good for anyone. So I said to Steve Phillips the other day, Jason, uh, former Mets GM, of course, does a great job with MLB Network, MLB Network Radio. And I said, this is particularly for all my friends north of the border. I said, what would the return be for Vlad June if they were to trade him? 
And he took a deep breath and he goes, well, they've got two years left to club control. I'm like, yep. He goes, so this would be like a Juan Soto type trade. And I don't think they've got the chutzpah to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Because he goes, that's a pretty gutsy move. I go, like, go with me here, Steve. Imagine they missed the playoffs. All right? There's nobody in Toronto who says, well, let's just run it back. Like, there has to be some change. Correct? He's like, yeah. Mike Schneider will get fired. Maybe some issues with Atkins. Although Shapiro and Atkins are tight. Maybe there's nothing there. Some trade has to happen. What would be a bigger whopper than dealing the big guy in Vlad Jr., who has had a suspect season, who has not been the same guy since won the MVP? So give me the return. So Steve said it would be four blue-chip prospects. And I was like, wow. I'm like, when I look at that Nationals team right now, I'm like, they got C.J. Abrams, they got Mackenzie Gore, like they got Hassel. Like they got some studs back on that Soto trade. So I- I'm at least suggesting it should be on the table because I think you, like many, who have been avid Blue Jays fans and watch the team say, why can't he go back to the, what he was? Like, why did they build these dimensions of the Rogers Center, which is supposed to help the team? And now it's a pitcher's part. Like, that's one of the most confounding parts of this year either. It's like, how come Vlad Jr. can't hit a home run at Rogers Center when it used to be a home run happy park? Like, I don't get it. So I don't know what the answer is, how to get him back to what he was. A part of me thinks you have to adjust expectations and say, he's never going to be that guy. Okay? He's just not an MVP caliber player. But he can get back to being a very good hitter. He can get back to being a perennial all-star. But he's not going to be an MVP type. If that was an aberration, we have to we have to adjust our expectations. But he should be better than what he is now. He's got to be at least yeah. an 800 OPS guy, and I think that's what ends up happening. But you know, if you say it to a casual observer, like, "Oh my God, trade Vlad Jr. What are you nuts?" I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as nuts as you might think. If, if you want to make a big trade that could really get back a lot in return, I don't think it's that far fetched. But what's he? What what was he doing besides hitting the ball better in 2021? compared to the last couple of years? Like, what is going on there? It's kind of the same question that we asked about Manoa earlier in the season. Just like, we get he's struggling, but what do you think is going on there? Well, the big thing I looked at with the numbers is fastballs, is that Flasher just has not hit fastballs nearly as well. And I think when you look at any baseball player, I've been around these guys for 20 years, they all say you got to hit fastballs. And their approach, like 99% of the time, is I go up there hunting fastballs. Like, you rarely hear a guy going, oh, yeah, I'm looking to hit a really filthy curveball and put it in the seat. They always go, no, hunt fastball, and, you know, hopefully the pitcher doesn't have a great fastball command and go from there and hope for a mistake pitch and, and adjust. So when I looked at Vlad's numbers, quite simply, just he's had trouble with velocity. So four-seam fastball is the fastest fastball, you know, 95, 97, 99. His numbers just haven't been good, as good as most pitches. So his bat speed is slowing a little bit. If there's a way you can get the bat speed going a little bit or just have him looking for fastballs more often, you know, there's the mechanical adjustments. Obviously, start your swing quicker and, you know, create more bat speed. But it's also recognition. Like, I remember watching some of his at-bats with Cliff Lloyd. Cliff's like, no, he's all crossed up. He's like, it's 2-0. He mm-hmm. should know the heater's coming. He doesn't even swing. Like, dude, come on. Like, this is the time to load up with the fastball. So, it's it's probably physical. It's probably mental. Yeah. Does it, I mean, does he need to take his hitting knowledge to a higher level? And do you think he's willing to be committed to doing that? Yeah, I wouldn't know enough about him on that level. Like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in the days and ins and outs of the Blue Jays, knowing okay, is he a guy that's there doing extra film study? Is he somebody who's really dedicated as much as other players? I wouldn't know that, but yeah, I think he's always had what I've heard is a good work ethic. I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, he's lazy or males it in." Like, no, no, he was a guy who came in heavy. He dropped some weight. He's a guy who's dedicated to being a leader. He's done so. This recent shred, they needed a guy to step up, and Vlad did it. So, like, he's. He's capable of being a star on this team. I don't think he necessarily has the natural leadership capabilities of some other young stars. Like when I look at the Orioles, I'm like, Adley Rutschman's clearly the leader and their best player. Julio Rodriguez, Seattle. Like in some ways, I think just Vlad's temperament is, you know, I just don't think he's comfortable being the rah-rah guy, come follow me. I think Bo Bichette is more of a kind of leadership quality. But 
in terms of his dedication to hitting, I've never heard anything to the contrary mm-hmm. that he's not caring or he's not he's not dedicated. I, I think he's a guy who's a hard worker, just hasn't worked out. Adnan, uh, let's talk a bit about the Minnesota Twins. Why would we do that? Because they're going to go to the playoffs again. And (laughs) this is honestly one of the most remarkable stats going on in sports right now. The Twins have lost 18 straight playoff games. How is that even possible? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You asked me that, Jason, and I popped in my head. I'm like, that can't be right. And then you double-checked them, and you're like, no, no, it is actually verified. Because I was like, it's either 18 straight against the Yankees or just in general. So just in general, It yeah. is 18 straight, and I looked at the numbers overall. Now, the Yankees were a big part of it. I think if you go deeper, I want to say it's like 12 of those 18 games were against the Yankees. So I'm like, all right, thank God we don't have to face those guys. But it has been indisputable that something about coming to the playoffs, Minnesota has completely fallen apart. And we were having a debate the other day saying, you know, can Minnesota win a playoff game? Think about that. You're a division champion. I know the AL Central is lackluster, but when the conversation is, can they win a game? Of course they can win a game. Will they win a game is another matter entirely. But I would think with, with Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray, it at least gives them a chance to win. Those guys are both really good starters, both but excellent seasons. That's why you deal Luis Arise, who's going to be a batting champion. But you got back an ace and Lopez, and Gray's going to be top five in ERA. And again, with those two pitchers, you should be able to do some things. Our boy, Eddie Julian, fellow Canadian, he's been great for them. Walner stepped up. But again, so often the time his issue with Minnesota is their health. Their three most important offensive players are all banged up. Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, and Royce Lewis. Now the word is they're all going to try to come back come playoff time. I don't know if Buxton's going to be able to do it, but it sounds like Correa will be closer. But he's had a really atypical season. He hasn't been close to the guy who got a six-year, $200 million contract. Excellent defensively. He is a good leader, base runner, et cetera. But hitting-wise, just hasn't been there for Carlos. So he's going to have to be better for them. There's no question about it. And whoever they face, they're going to be the underdog. Like, think about it. It could be Twins-Jays. Everyone would pick Toronto. Twins-Astros. Everyone's picking Houston. Twins-Seattle. Everyone's picking Seattle. So um, it's it, got their work cut out for them. And it goes back to the whole quandary that unless you prove to people you're going to be different. Why else should they feel that you're just going to be on their doormat, which is what you've been? 18 straight losses. I'll say this year they win a playoff game, but that's it. I don't think they're going to win the series. Uh, Adnan, we're up against it for time. Next time we do this, we'll talk about that entire other league, the National League, instead of focusing on Vladdy Guerrero and two teams in the American League. Thanks a lot for there's, doing this today. There's two leagues? There's two leagues. Yeah. Holy cow. Quick thought, I baseball. have to get this in. Yes, please. Jason stumped me a couple weeks ago. He said, how much is David Stearns getting? And I didn't know. I kind of fudged it, right? I actually asked somebody that knows. I think it was Steve Phillips I asked him. He's a GM. Guess how much David Stearns is making. I have the answer. How much? Take a guess. I haven't a clue. <laughs> I always like when someone says, take a guess, I go, I have no idea. I'm like, no, that's why I said take a guess. Yeah, I and then I, I honestly have no idea. He's making $10 million a year. Jeez. Oh, and by the way, that's a five-year contract. So I believe when, when Jason asked me, I was like, oh, multi-million, which is a very vague way of saying, you know, two or three million. That's a lot more than I thought. $50 million to run the Mets. Appreciate you doing the research, Adnan. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the week, the final week of the regular season. We'll do this again next week for playoff time. I appreciate it, boys. Take care. Thanks. That's Thanks, Adnan. Uh, Adnan Virk from MLB Network here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, we spent a fair amount of time talking Canucks from last night, a 2-1 overtime loss to the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. Uh, and now we look ahead to tonight's game against the Seattle Kraken, who take their preseasons very seriously. 
At least they did last year. We'll see if it's going to be preseason dominance 2.0 from the Kraken tonight. So um, among the guys that could be playing for the Canucks or expected to be playing for the Canucks, you're going to have um, Miller and Besser together, probably on a line, probably be the Canucks' top line after Petey and Kuzmenko played last night. I guess the question is who's going to be the winger with Miller and Besser? Does Pot Colson maybe get back in there again? Or do we see a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe in on the top line with Miller and Besser. And perhaps the other guy that a lot of Canucks fans will be interested in seeing is Philip Hironic, who is probably going to be on a pair with Ian Cole. Mm-hmm. What are you curious about for tonight? Uh, goaltending, second night in a row. I, I I liked what I saw from DeSmith last night. I assume it's going to be Demko tonight, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got to be making his preseason debut tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will be... There's not going to be a goalie battle. Let's just get that out and open. Someone very sarcastically texted in this morning. Is it too early to start talking about a goaltending controversy? <laughs> While I appreciate the sentiment, and this is Vancouver, um, in order for the Canucks to have any shot at the promised land this year, and the promised land is the playoffs, Demko's going to have to be, one, healthy, and two, very good. Right? It can't be a sub-900 save percentage like we saw for long stretches last season. And yes, it had to do with the play in front of him. But also, he needed to stop more pucks. He wasn't very good. He admitted it. So, like, all I'm really looking for tonight is uh, don't get hurt, which is a big one. (laughs) But also, if they continue to play a particular style, which might be advantageous to the goalies. Like, Mm -hmm. DeSmith was good last night, but it wasn't like... uh, a two and a half minute YouTube compilation of the amazing saves that he made. Mm-hmm. It, it was a it was a good efficient outing where he faced not an overwhelming amount or volume, but he stopped the stuff that he needed to stop twenty six or twenty seven to twenty eight. So the dem really tonight is the jumping off point for the Demko narrative because like everybody else, he needs to be a lot better than last year. Now the big thing with him is he needs to stay healthy too. If Demko's hurt. You know how Jim Rutherford said, if everything goes right for our team, we're mm-hmm. probably a playoff team? Right. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the essence of it. A big part of everything going right is our franchise goalie being healthy and being good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and DeSmith has to be good, too, and that's why it was encouraging totally. last night. You know, The Canucks are not so good a team that they can afford to have a backup goalie that doesn't play well, and that's why I liked the the move to bring in another backup goalie. I, I didn't have faith in Seelovs or Spencer Martin You're being the backup. No, but Seelovs needs to play more. He does. He, he needs to be down in the HL playing games. You know, so. it, was, it was funny when Talkett was speaking about it yesterday. He said one of the things that they noted in Pittsburgh is that um, DeSmith could go a couple weeks without playing, mm-hmm. and then they would throw him in, and he'd look really sharp. Like, I don't know if that was just dumb luck or the way that he preps or the way that he understood how he was going to be deployed. Right. But he said, like, he hadn't played in a long time going into last night, and he looked really sharp. So, Which is a key thing because you do want to have the ability to – run Demko out for long stretches. He's your number one guy. He's going to play 55 to 60 games if he's healthy, right? So the interesting thing for maybe not tonight's game, but probably the last three games is the Canucks power play. Um, I wonder how many times they're going to try and get the full band out there. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, will they, how many games will they play when Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Hughes, Miller, and maybe Besser right. are, are all are all in the are all in the lineup so they can work on the power play because the power play 
is changing its philosophy. And for the record, thank God for this, I think, because I really like what, not that their power play was like terrible last season or anything, but I think there's so much potential with this group that they didn't reach their potential last year. Even though the power play wasn't terrible, it was fine. Mm-hmm. But Tockett wants more movement. And I think that's where the best power plays go. Like static power plays when you're just like, okay, we all know the routine here. Miller's going to get set up on the half wall. We're all going to be looking for like the PD one timer or, you know, the down low play when, when Horvat was still there, it would go down low, then pop up to him in the slot for the one timer. Like mm-hmm. those plays worked and it's great to have those as staples of your power play, right? We know those things work, but it has to be more than that. So you, you can't give, you can't give the other team like an obvious game plan to attack the power play. There has to be movement. You have to allow those guys to be creative with movement. If they're all just static, you're just standing there, just passing it around and waiting for the one-timer. And I don't think... like Penalty killers are so good at getting into lanes, whether it's for blocking shots or blocking passes, that you you have to move. And Quinn Hughes can't be the only one doing the moving. Mm -hmm. At the top. Yeah, and that's, well, when we talk about improvements year over year, it's funny because, um, remember, it wasn't that long ago where if your team power play was clicking at 20% or above, you were, like, really good in the National Hockey League? Like, those days are long gone. You need to be upwards of 25 to be elite. And then if you're Edmonton, you're clicking at a 30% rate. And it's partly because the offensive skill players are so good right now. And there's more movement than ever because they've really managed to break down the amount of like physicality and clutch and grab. But also, I think teams have understood analytically the importance of capitalizing on those opportunities. Totally. Right? Now, Edmonton's a different story, right? You can't. It's almost like if you're going to compare power plays in the NHL, yeah. there's 31 teams that are in a conversation, and there's Edmonton on their own because they're just that much better than everybody else with the man advantage. But for better or for worse for the Canucks, they're going to see a lot of it because they're in the division with Edmonton. Well, that's why their their penalty killing was encouraging last night. Yeah, like that was good. And you, so they wh- got guys. I don't know. I feel like this matters. Like they what? got guys that know how to do it and have done it before. Theodore's Bluegers, man, he's good at it. That's what he does. That's his full name. Mm-hmm. But we call him Teddy. Uh, okay, we got a text into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. It's from Juan in Comox. No better way to address this. I didn't even want to talk about this, but Jason said we had to, and Juan from Comox texted in, so fine. (laughs) You guys haven't talked about Roberto Luongo yet. Okay, so yesterday, the Vancouver Canucks announced that former goalie Roberto Luongo was going to be inducted into the team's ring of honor on December 14th, and we all got to re-re-re-litigate the decision to put Luongo in the ring of honor and not retire him and his number one jersey. Yeah, and thank God I was on the golf course yesterday because it meant I couldn't be on Twitter. I mean, it is perfect fodder for online debates because mm-hmm. it's polarizing. It's you're either Luongo for ring of honor or you're Luongo for retired jersey. It's it's classic black versus white, right versus wrong, I good actually, versus evil, classic. I actually really enjoy agitating the people that are adamant that Luongo's number should be retired because they cannot they cannot wrap their heads around how anyone else could say like no it doesn't deserve to be in there and a lot of this comes down to just 
it's it's weird to say it, but it's like feel. Like you can th- you can throw out as many numbers as you want or stats, or you can compare Luongo to you know the all time greats, and you're kind of like, yeah, but I I just I I don't I don't think I don't think so, mm-hmm. right? Well, like I just don't feel that way. I don't feel the same. And some people are like, what do you mean you don't feel that way about? It, it was like he was like m- arguably the most important player of the the Canucks golden generation. You'd be like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I still, still don't. I don't, I don't know. You know, he's more of a panther. You so know? I don't know. Uh, you know how we've talked about unintended consequences before when we do things and we don't realize either how they're going to be interpreted or we say something on the radio and we're like, oh, I didn't see that going in that direction. Mm-hmm. When the Canucks created the Ring of Honor, <laughs> it was it was a good gesture. Unintended it was, consequences. It was, it was a nice gesture to say, hey, we want to recognize some guys that meant a lot to this franchise, meant a lot to the community, but didn't necessarily merit this certain distinction in the NHL of retiring their jersey. It was a good idea. It was it was a nice way to talk about Orlan Kurtenbach yeah. and, and countless other guys that mean something to the fabric of this team <laughs> that don't necessarily <laughs> rise to the level of jersey retirement. The unintended consequence is now it's turned into disrespect for Roberto Luongo. Yeah, He's yeah. only getting the ring of honor. Roberto Luongo will be inducted into the Vancouver Canucks slap in the face. Right. Like, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. I feel bad because I know what they were trying to do. Do you know what the play is now, though? I don't. A lot even. of teams are going with the Hall of Fame within their building route. <laughs> and they just honor everyone. Anyone who had any remote, oh, like, the, love from the fans, the you're in the Hall Oilers of Fame. One. Edmonton Oilers, everyone gets in. Mm-hmm. Doug Waite, Craig Muni. But then you retire the numbers Dr. of the Randy people that Greg, truly are. Yeah, but that's what the Canucks do, right? That, that every, people, people, there's a lot of people out there that think that Luongo deserves the highest honor from the club. And there I, are others. I am one of those people. Well, but, yeah, but, there, but, but you know what? I'd just be like, and you could give me the argument and I'd be like, yeah, but I still don't feel like it, right? And now, like, Kirk McLean is in the conversation, too, because they're like, well, maybe you can retire one and you can have Kirk McLean in there, it's just, too. It's like, it's no. just so tip- It's so typical of the franchise. To <laughs> This is where we ended up. Like, we can't have anything nice because now it has to be, like, half the comments I hear, it's like, this is disrespect to Luongo or... Oh, it's like, how could you ever compare Kirk McLean to Luongo? And then they're like, wait a minute, why are we disrespecting Kirk McLean? Yeah, poor now? Kirk McLean. <laughs> no one did anything wrong. <laughs> they all went out and tried to do their Kirk's best. Kirk's out here hockey. catching strays. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, like, here's the thing: it should. This is supposed to be um, a way to recognize one of the best players in franchise history, Roberto Luongo. Right, but it's not about that anymore. It's well, about this sort of second tier kind of half-in, half-out celebration of them. It's just, well, I find it comical for the unintended consequences part, right? Luongo was the most complicated player to come through Vancouver sports. I know. So he was like, the most, so of course, so complicated. of course, we this is like, down a rung. some people are just like, you know, like they just like, they, they, they don't understand um, how people could say he doesn't deserve to have his number retired. And like, they don't understand when I say, like, I'm sorry, but when Luongo would play big games, I would get nervous because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't I didn't trust him, but, right, in the big games. I'm sorry. Like, you can't say, like, what do you mean you didn't trust him? Like, well, I didn't. So you're saying. You know, and that of was lack part of, of it, right? Of tr- like, so he shouldn't have his number one retired is what you're saying. Because that's all the debate. I don't know, Let's be man. honest. Like, it, yeah. Like, all, but, is, but honestly, like, I don't. I don't care. Like I, I, I really don't. If if they were, if they were to retire his number, I'd be like, fine. 
Honestly, I don't. Like, I know that's boring for Sports Talk Radio, but it's just like, I don't. I care. Yeah. Do you? Ben. Yeah, I actually do. Okay. Like, he actually deserves to have his number up there. You got the mic now. Go. So Because, like, yeah, in some big games, he didn't play well. And in some games in the Cup, he didn't play well. But you know what? In some games in the Cup, he did play well. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I he know. had a shutout yeah. in game one. He let in one but goal But this is in game the argument, two. right? And then we're like, remember 2011? Let's rehash that. Well, the, everyone's focusing on the negative side of it. Like, let's focus on the positives, too. Mm-hmm. Game seven against the Hawks. I mean. One goal allowed. Look, he's in the Hall of Fame. And that's the other he thing. He spent the better part of a decade here. Now, if he was going to the Hall of Fame, I'd say he'd probably wear a Florida Panthers hat. If we want to have that conversation. Well, now, after just, the, after being inducted into the Vancouver slap well, in the face. And, and exactly. speaking as a non-Canucks fan here, as a, <laughs> yeah. as a goalie yeah, observer, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the generational guys. Like He altered the position, and he modified the way he mm-hmm. played throughout his career. He is up there w- with his generation of goaltenders. So the fact that he pl- the team that he played the most on won't honor him I know. is bizarre to Well, to they me. are honoring him. He's going into the ring of honor, which is an honor. <laughs> and it's, feel and like it's it. represented by a <laughs> ring. All right, we are way uh, late on this. So okay. uh, we'll read some texts on the other side. Uh, let's just try and keep it light here, guys. It's, it's, it's We will not read text on the other side. We're going to talk to Bobby Marks. No, I know. After, after we talk to Bobby okay. Marks about the big trade in the NBA. You're listening to the Alfred and Brock Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, NBA, man. Y'all need to look into the box for talking. Y'all do. I'm just going to put that out there. Y'all didn't hear it from me. But. 7.36 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That audio you heard coming back from break, that was uh, Miami Heat star Jimmy Butler explaining the key mechanism in how that Damon Lillard to Milwaukee trade was able to be consummated. The mechanism apparently was tampering. It's always a key part. Oh, I think that's important to get deals done. And then and then also, don't get caught. Right. No paper trail, no email trail, nothing. I'll always remember when, and this is just so we can make this about hockey. Remember when Matthias Olin left Vancouver to sign a deal in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. in free agency? Free agency started at midnight, and at 12.01, they announced this super complex... <laughs> very detailed intricate detail yeah a billion footnotes on the contract and they're like we got this done in 60 seconds yeah there was I mean, no negotiating before the free agency window opened whatsoever Matthias Oland is now a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning right yeah those agents talk fast <laughs> just move quick <laughs> uh Halford and Brev of the morning Bobby Marks is going to join us in just a sec here by the way uh Halford and Brev of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer Today, we are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go, former assistant general manager of the Nets, now ESPN NBA analyst Bobby Marks joins us on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Bobby. How are you? I'm good, guys. How you doing? We're good, thanks, and thanks for taking the time to do this. So uh, over the last couple of days, prior to this trade going down, Jason and I were talking a lot about Dame Lillard and where he might end up, and we talked about Toronto. We also talked about Miami. We did not talk about Milwaukee. How did the Bucks pull this deal off? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd kind of gotten a little bit of a wind last week um, regarding 
possibly Milwaukee. Um, and then when you think of it, you know, based on what they had to offer, um, it didn't make um, total sense from um, from Portland's perspective, just based on the draft picks here. And I think when you add a third team um, like Phoenix and you were able to get DeAndre Ayton and then you you get Drew Holiday, which eventually he's going to be traded um, probably relatively soon here to another team, and you're going to build on build on off that trade, and then you you get a future first and some pick swaps here. It's you know you're looking at it from from Portland's perspective here is that it's probably more of a cleaner deal um, than maybe what Miami could offer right. and what um, you know certainly what um, you know Toronto could offer, and then you know, then you have the honest factor here. Um, you know Lillard's got. Four years, $216 million left on his contract. Um, Giannis is extension eligible until October 23rd. If he doesn't sign it, he's extension eligible again next offseason. Um, Holiday could have been a free agent this offseason here, so you're basically swapping out Holiday for three more years of, of um, Lillard um, in, in the future. Um, so you kind of add up, you know, it's like a big puzzle, right? You add up the, the puzzle pieces here, and it, it kind of fits, makes and it makes sense for, um, for Milwaukee. How should Giannis feel right now? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, you know, I, I heard him on the pot on different podcasts and um, I think it's important to look at, break it down two different ways. Like the extension part, like I agree with him. I never thought it was, it's a business decision, right? He can earn more money next year by doing it. Um, I just, I never thought that it, you know, it wasn't like John Horst <laughs> hasn't been trying and they won a championship and it's not like he's not been trying. I mean, they've had the most wins in the last four years of any team and they have paid the luxury tax four years in a row. I mean, he should be, um, I mean, I think he should be thrilled that there's some security where Drew Holiday's not going to leave next year for nothing here. Um, does that mean he's going to sign in the next three weeks? I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I do think, you know, certainly you add another, you know, you add another all-star, all-NBA type player in, in Lillard. But Holiday's a, Drew Holiday's a really good player, mm-hmm. different different player than what Lillard is. And now you've, you know, I think for Giannis, it's, you know, hey, we've got the pieces. We've got Chris Middleton. We've got Brooke Lopez. We'll see what our depth can do for us. But um, you know, I think if you're if you're Giannis, I think you have to be happy that your front office showed an aggressiveness right now and not waiting until you know closer to the trade deadline. Well, I think that's a big key in all of this is that Milwaukee as an organization, as a city, really showed that last year was a hundred percent not acceptable, right? You fire Budenholzer, yeah. you bring in Griffin, you make this massive league altering deal. Did Milwaukee just become the unquestioned NBA title favorite? Um I think it depends on where Chris Middleton is. Uh, he's kind of the X factor for me. If it's if you if we get Chris Middleton that played last year and, and struggled during the regular season, had a bunch of injuries, played better in the playoffs. Um, I don't think they are. Um, if it's the Chris Middleton that was an All Star, then I think we can we can put it up there. I think that there's some questions, certainly from a depth uh, standpoint. Um, you know, certainly point guard depth. Um, you know where where they are as far as um, you know with um, Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder. They, they're going to need some of their younger players. But yeah, I think yeah, certainly in the Eastern Conference, based on I didn't think the East was great as is. I thought they were the favorite already going in. Um, you know where Boston is. Who knows what happens in Philly? Miami certainly will be up there. But 
I don't know. It's hard for me to dismiss Denver just sure. based on what they were they were able to do. And I think Phoenix will be certainly very good also here. Um, but from an Eastern Conference perspective, I think, yeah, I think I think they were the favorite, and I think they still are the favorite. We're speaking to ESPN NBA analyst Bobby Marks here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650 in the aftermath of the Dame Lillard to Milwaukee trade. How much, Bobby, is Miami going to regret not getting a deal done for Lillard? Well, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, we're, we're certainly going to circle down. It, hey, it, listen, if they get Drew Holiday in a trade and the cost is half than what they could have gotten Lillard for, I think that's a big win for them. Um, you know, if it doesn't co- – I don't, I don't think it will cost you Tyler Hero, but if it costs you two first and an expiring contract and Kyle Lowry, for example, I think that's a huge, huge win. Um, it's, and it probably fits better, and you still have Hero on the roster. Now, if you don't, so now you've lost out on – you didn't really make an effort for Bradley Beal. Um, certainly we know what happened with Lillard. And I think the Lillard stuff, you know, I always say it takes two to tango, right? Like I think um, Miami was a willing participant. I don't think Portland was wanted to ask them out on a date, right? Like it just – you have to, you know, you have to agree on um, – from, from both sides. And But the, the hard part, if you're looking at it from Miami's perspective now, we thought that Giannis could potentially be in play um, – based on what happens this year. Now, does them getting Lillard, them having great success, take Giannis off the board? So I think that could be the uh, the regret there. So I think we're still in a little bit of a wait-and-see approach, um, you know, based on where Drew Holiday is going to go, um, whether it be Miami or Boston or Philly or Clippers or one of these other teams. Um, how do you think Embiid is feeling in Philadelphia. I don't know if the Sixers were in on this trade at all, and mm-hmm. I'm sure Portland might have wanted a guy like Maxi in the deal if they were going to do it, but you know, Giannis basically says like we need to be more committed or I'm out of here. Um uh, he gets a pretty good player in Dame. Where does that leave a guy like Embiid in Philly? Where does that leave the Sixers? And frankly, where does that leave a team like the Raptors who were reportedly involved in this discussion as well? Well, I think Philly, we're going to find out on Monday on media day. <laughs> I think that's when we're going to find out. I think it's going to be interesting what happens with James Harden, um, if he reports or if he, if he doesn't. You know, um, you're right. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, Embiid is in year one of the Supermax. Um, but as you guys know, it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Um, guys can ask to be traded anytime. Um, I think they're, you know, Philadelphia would have been in play if Maxi was on the table and you know, there was certainly a reluctance to move him for, for, for Damian Lillard. Um, Toronto's is interesting because we've heard, you know, certainly over the last week that, you know, they were the front runner and, you know, they were, there was a good chance here. I, I just think, and I understand the hesitancy um, from the, from the Raptors perspective, certainly where this roster is, is that if it, let's say if it costs them OG and an OB and, you know, and, and then Pascal Siakam leaves and then you're stuck with Lillard and, whatever the 160 million left on his contract in the next three years, that's, that's a huge, and you've depleted your draft assets. That's a huge, huge, huge risk. I just think we're, we're going to have to get to a point that um, Toronto cannot be in the same position as they were this off season where they lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing. And with OG who is extension eligible, the likelihood is that he's not going to sign up and will become a free agent next off season. And Pascal, who's also extension eligible and is an unrestricted free agent, you're going to have to figure out what to do with both players here. Um, and that's the realization here. And I think the clock is ticking because you have a trade deadline. And I know we're 
months away from February here, but I just think they can't be in that same position as they were this, this past offseason. Before we let you go, Bobby, we did get a question into the Dunbar Lumber text line here asking about Milwaukee, and I do think it's kind of funny. As a market, it's not a big one. Like It's not where the traditional super teams, the guys have gotten together where they've been like, oh, let's go to Miami, let's go to L.A., let's go to Boston, let's go to Milwaukee. But in this particular instance, you had – Again, elite, elite player, like all NBA 75th anniversary team in Dame Lillard, accepting the move to go to Milwaukee of all places. Is Milwaukee considered a reasonably medium market? They like, sell it by saying, we're an hour away from Chicago. Is that Yeah, is that the pitch? Like you're close to a better city? I don't know what it is. I mean, they've won a championship in the last, what, three years. They've yes. got the, probably the, the, the greatest player, um, you know, um, currently, one of the greatest players currently here. Um Great facilities, great ownership, great uh, front office here. Listen, you, it's you know, it's not like you have to live there twelve months of the year, but the months you are there, it's awfully cold. <laughs> so it's it's a it's. I think it's a good market. I think it's they get strong support, but no, it's not. It's not Miami, and it's not New York, and it's not L.A. Um, you know, from that p- perspective here. But I think we've, I think we've seen a shift in um, in, in that where the, this league has become more like the NFL, um, where there's so much more parity um, where you don't have to be in one of these bigger markets to go out and win a championship. I like the thought of the local tourism board with a brochure that says Milwaukee. You don't have to live here all year. Like that's yeah. that's a good one, actually. Except the winter. Right, yeah. Uh, Bobby, We're this... not far from Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If that means anything. Uh, Bobby, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do it. Enjoy Thanks. what's left of the off season, and then uh, we'll do this again when the season starts up. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's Bobby. Whoops, I hit the wrong button. That's Bobby Marks, former assistant GM of the Nets, now working for NBA or the ESPN in an NBA analyst capacity. Do you know your Great Lakes? Do you know which lake Milwaukee is on? Erie? No. Uh, Cleveland is on. Cleveland and Detroit are close to Lake Erie. Milwaukee and Chicago. All right, well, let's do it. Let's go Laddie. Laddie, Holmes, you're from back. Right? It's Holmes. Why not? Holmes. Which one? What? That's the acronym. Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan. Holmes. uh, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. I always forget about Huron. Holmes. Lake Huron. Huron. You know what? Okay. It's an acronym where the first letter represents one of the great lakes. That wasn't the question. But I named them all, so I got it right. But you didn't say which one. This isn't Cash Cab. You don't just get to yell out all the answers. All of them? (laughs) Which one is Toronto on? Ontario. There you go. Nice. You answered the question. Those are those are the, you're like Holmes Holmes. I'm like okay bed mass. I, what are we doing here? Things that we learned that in grade too. three. That's PTSD. That is stuck with you though. There's a lot of repetition involved. I'm sure. Bass oh, just repeated it thirty yeah. times to me. Bass Bach That's all the provinces from west to east. What's the one with the states? Come on. Bass Bach You should be able to do that. The one with the what? The states. There's one that forms like an elf. Have you seen that one before? No, it's I got a name too. Is. is there a planets one? Mm, I don't know. That's yeah, a, I don't know. I'm sure there is. Probably. Would Pluto be part of it? No, Remember when we, Pluto we, was stripped of its planet yeah, status? That was rid, huge. We got rid of that. Pluto. Was like that was like the captain being stripped. Mimel the, the elf. Pluto of got sent, yeah, Pluto got sent to the ring of honor. Is what <laughs> Mimel the elf. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? What did you say there? Mimel. Mimel. It's uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Arkansas, Louisiana, with Kentucky and Tennessee. Mm. I couldn't. Do, I couldn't do. I couldn't look at a map of the United States and name all the states. 
that's one way to help you remember yeah. the middle ones because yeah. they kind of get all mushed up in there. But, but like the yeah. middle ones, ah, who cares? Exactly. There's right? two Dakotas. <laughs> and then all their state capitals are all wonky. It's, it's going to take time to remember those. Yeah. So we got a lot of text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, as you might imagine. How about this Roberta Luongo Ring of Honor debate, which has been raging ever since really the it, it, it became clear that Luongo was not going to have his number retired and would only go into the Ring of Honor. Um, and then we had to relitigate it yesterday because they announced when that Ring of Honor game was going to be for Luongo. Have to. We just I think, I think uh, when is it? December? December 14th. Okay. Against we, the Florida Panthers. Can we as a market all get the arguing out of the way? Zero chance. Well, hold on. Stop talking. No. Before de- December. Can we all just, like, before the actual date? Because... I think it sucks for Luongo yes. to have to come to Vancouver and like if he does media, he's going to be asked maybe indirectly or maybe just directly, do you feel like you deserve to have your jersey retired? And then he's in that tough position of being like, you know, <laughs> does he answer? He's like, yeah, I think I should get my jersey retired or no. Or I mean, the only right answer that he can really make that's politically correct is to say, like, listen, I, this is an honor for me to be in the Ring of Honor. I enjoyed my time in Vancouver, um, you know, and I'm and I'm and I'm happy, and I'm going to enjoy the night. Wouldn't it be so right? long ago to be like, this is trash? I deserve. Can more. you imagine that? Just would be to start the fire. Awesome. Like this is garbage. Yeah, you know yeah, what I did not. for you? Do you know what yeah, I did yeah. in 2007? Can you imagine? It's like I'm better than Smeal. Yeah. <laughs> Say what said something like that, and there's then when, some names up there that we can have a debate about. And then when someone challenges him, he's like, "What are you going to do? Not retire my jersey? Like it's a perfect comeback. It's all made for him." I appreciate your youthful naivete in thinking that people are just going to be like, "Oh, let's not ask him." Anything. There's zero chance. No, no, no. I'm zero. I, ch- I know. I you're just, just wish we could all. The, I, I wish we could all figure this out because uh, I, I want wish this. We could have made some different decisions with the Ring of Honor and the, <laughs> the jerseys, but we didn't. We have to live in this mess now. But I want this night to be a good night about Roberto Luongo and, and remembering um, what an interesting athlete he was in Vancouver and all the storylines that he provided and how, uh, again, like if you go back and remember all the headlines that Luongo created, there will be some big ones and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. Right, like hundreds of storylines to discuss. He was so interesting because he was a great player, but it was kind of like, you're like, you're a great player, but like for me personally, and I know I'm not alone in this, I'm just like, I don't trust him Okay, in big games. You keep bringing this up. I got to ask you, what does this have to do with the what's the, the conversation at hand? I think it's just all the emotions that Roberto Luongo brought up. But does that mean that does it in any way related to why he's not getting his yeah, number retired? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're so. saying the residual sure. scarring of for me it is. Yeah. <laughs> on a personal level. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean that that for me, I mean everyone everyone weights their factors differently. And that's why some people like this is like the Hall of Fame debate. Some people will be like, look at his stats. Compare these stats, and all they'll do is stats, and you're like, ah, eh, it's got to be more about than just stats, right? Right. And Luongo has incredible career NHL stats, but I just remember times where I'm like, ooh, he is melting down. So big time meltdown going on here. What you're going through right now, not quite a meltdown, although it feels like we're getting there, is kind of why there's no chance 
of this just being this nice flowery night and moment when mm. it happens. Well, I'll try not to bring down. I'll, I'll bring up all the meltdowns, like yeah, but, on the day of. But when you have Luongo's going to be honored tonight. Remember all those goals he allowed in Chicago and Boston. Put it this way: the guy had a complicated legacy, and then the franchise decided to further complicate it. Like it, they they didn't put a nice tidy bow on the end of this. No, they might have tried, but is does put it out there. Does anyone right now think that the biggest story about last night's news or yesterday's news that the retirement or sorry, the Ring of Honor induction was going to be on the 14th, did any was the first thing that popped in anyone's mind like, oh, well, that'll be a nice night. The first thing that popped in is why are they not retiring his jersey? Mm-hmm. Right. Or why? Or yes, this is the right move to not retire his jersey. That was the whole debate. And part of it is because it's so polarizing and it's great fodder for. Stupid AMC. Or there's a lot of shows. subjectivity to it. Yes. Right? Some people will say, this guy's a Panther. He, he asked out. There is that angle to it. To which, so I, to which I report, I would have too. I want to know the stats. I want to people see... bring up cap recapture as a reason to keep. keep I, I, I want to see the list one. of Hall of Famers who spent their majority of their career with, with the team to not have their number retired they by that team. I'd like to see that The majority of his career in Vancouver. He spent the majority of his career in Florida. Uh, he spent the, the the heart of his career, and it's pretty close. What but is it? Nine, nine years sub- and eleven now, years? Like it's no, pretty it's close. Like Fourteen and nine. But now you're getting into the subjective part of it. Yeah, heart and feel, and like I agree with you. His best years were in Vancouver. He should have won the Vesna in Vancouver, but the Islander years don't count in his career. No, it doesn't. No, he's not going. <laughs> his, you know, I Islanders. often forget that he played for the Islanders. Yeah, uh, like Milbury, Milbury, baby. Two teams, right? The Panthers and the Canucks. Now, see, this is what I wanted to avoid. Well, we're here, right? <sighs> What, people texting and things like, don't you remember the times that he made incredible saves? Yeah, yes. of course I do. Yes. Right? Like, he was he was a great goalie. Yes. I remember how good he was in his first year here. Um, he was such an interesting... I, I know I keep saying this, but, like, there has been no one who's come through Vancouver that has provided, like, the human element. Right? It goes... Luongo's story in Vancouver goes, like... Six billion miles past the statistical story. Like he was a he was a good player. Even the way he was perceived as a person changed when he came in. What were some of the words that were associated with Luongo? Cocky, arrogant, mm-hmm. little standoffish, maybe a big ego. And now you're like. This guy's a great guy, right? It doesn't take himself too seriously. Imagine when Luongo came to Vancouver, and do you remember some of the, just the way he would approach it in the media? And he's he's acknowledged this, too. There's no way you'd watch Luongo and be like, well, there's a guy that doesn't take himself too seriously. He learned this stuff. He grew as a person mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Uh, it was it was so fascinating. Like the fact that you know he would talk about the before the big games, he would talk about like the the walks he'd go around in Stanley Park. Yeah, because like and how I would perceive that is like, oh, he's really nervous. That makes me more nervous. Um, speaking of learning, by the way, two things. One, I did learn about the acronym for the planets. It does exist. My very eager mother just sold us nine pizzas. If you count Pluto, if it's not in the Ring of Honor, no pizzas. Right. What is she self? There's no Pluto. M V E M J S U N. Hey, you know how we're uh, we're like 
really aggressively debating this topic and at the end of the day like whatever <laughs> you know yeah. do you think that's pretty much a lifestyle approach do you think point. there was this same debate in science circles when pluto was stripped of its planetary status can we get confirmation on what pluto is right now is it just a series of dwarf planet. just a series of gases no, it's, it's no, that's not. You. Isn't it a dwarf? No, that's Saturn, isn't it? It's gassy. It's gassy. So it's, it's sorry. What? I think it's a dwarf planet. Okay. I don't think we're supposed to use that terminology. We gotta go. But I, but I do, but I, but I do imagine like a science talk radio is like Pluto gave its all. Guy, it was a character. It was like it came in undersized and it and it absolutely like it spent its entire it career in the solar system. What is, what is Pluto's hockey player comparison? Text it in. Text Some in. fringe AHL guy. Yeah. yeah, text it. What we learned, speaking of learning, we're going to do those in the next hour. Uh, Thomas Trance is going to join us at 8 o'clock. <laughs> you are listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.